Christians today. Thanks for tuning into the show, and we'll hope to be with you for the next hour or so with some hopefully lively talk about spiritual subjects, anything that's on your mind. We've got a couple of things prepared, but we're interested in hearing what you have to say. My name is Mike Schmidt, as you just heard, and I'm one of the hosts of the We Are Just Christians, one of the elders of the church here at, at Savona Boulevard in Port St. Lucie, Church of Christ, and with me, as usual, is Gary Jones. How you doing, Gary? I'm here this morning, Mike. Good. Yeah, we're glad Gary's here. He's been he's been under the weather some lately, struggling with uh, some AFib and other things like that, but he's able to get out today. We're really glad about that. And so, as I mentioned, this is a live call-in show. We're going to give you the numbers in just a second. Get yourself a pencil ready so you can write it down. If anybody still uses pencils anymore, Gary, or <laughs> pens, I don't know that they do. I'm one of these weirdos that carry a pen in my front pocket all the time, so uh, that's... Gary's got one, too. And we're lucky Gary, since he's an engineer, doesn't have a pocket protector on. But anyway. Um, well, I got rid of that when I retired. Oh, you did. You got you got it in a safe in a drawer somewhere. Right. Well, anyway, uh, we'll give you the numbers to how to reach us here on We Are Just Christians. And as I mentioned, this is a call-in show. So anything of spiritual nature is on the table. And, of course, in my view, both spiritual things and, and, and uh, most all cultural things all relate together. They go together. They're not separated in ideas. So we'll be glad to talk with you about that. Maybe you're not a believer in, in the Bible or God or Christ. We'd be glad to talk with you this morning, hear what you have to say. And maybe you have had some bad experiences with religious people or religion in general. Maybe you've been disenchanted. Maybe you don't have much experience at all with religious things and you'd like to know a little bit more about it. We'd like to get you uh, uh, started on thinking about how to know how do you can know what you should know and that's one of the biggest problems people just close the door. don't know what they should know about spiritual things they don't even know where to start and so we on this show we are just christians are going to point you back to the bible to the new testament to figure that out so let me give you the numbers the number to reach us here in port st lucie is 772-340-1590 772-340-1590 340-1590 is how you can get in touch with us. If you call that number, Ray there at the station is going to pass you through right to us through Skype, and we're going to be able to have a conversation. I would ask you to make sure that you turn your, if you're listening on the radio or computer, turn it down so you don't get as much feedback or delay. There is a slight delay, and it causes problems when you try to listen to both because of that. So turn your uh, radio or your computer down so you can only hear us. And we're going to give you a chance to talk if you like. We're not. We're going to give you the last word. We're not here to embarrass you or anything like that. We may disagree, and that'll be fine. We'll state the reasons why, and we'll give you a chance to talk about that. Or we may agree. That's possible, too. So 340-1590 is the number for We Are Just Christians. You can also reach us by text message, as some, some do each week or some have done in the past. We use this on the air occasionally at... Two numbers. My number, Mike's number is 772-260-6120. 772-260-6120. And Gary's text number is 772-260-6220. 6220 are the numbers. 
And so in any event, that's what the show's about. We'd like to have you join in. Uh, and if not, listen. And if, you, if it stirs up some thought, you can also reach us by email at justchristiansatatt.net. Justchristiansatatt.net. Gary, we just got a text that wants to know if you have tape on your glasses, like all the other <laughs> nerds, you know. No. Not, not, not today he does, and he's clear on that. But in any event, we, we'd like to hear from you. Now, Gary, we got a letter. Uh, apparently, someone tried to t- get in touch with us by email. It didn't work, and I'm not sure why. You can reach the show, as I just mentioned, at justchristiansatatt.net. Uh, somewhere it must have ended up in my junk folder, and I didn't notice it. And for that, I do apologize. Uh, but you can email that number. But in any event, they sent us a, heart, a letter last week. We got the mail. We talked about that. We agree with some things in the letter, some things we didn't agree. We really, really appreciate the tone of the letter, the good content of it, and the willingness to write it and so forth. We really appreciate that. It, it, it helped, uh, made the show, to me, very interesting. But there was something in the, something that someone said a couple of weeks ago in a message we got. I think it was a text message that we should spend less time talking about the things that we do talk about and more time on tell, tell, talking to people about the gospel, how to be saved. Well, that's a good idea. Can't argue with that. So I think Gary thought about that a little bit, and he told me this morning before we while we're getting ready for the well, show that he, he had some material he wanted to present on that. And, and I tell you, I tell you uh, brace yourself because it's probably something. <laughs> it should be something that people believe and are familiar with, but it may not be because that, the truth is we just don't hear the whole truth about what salvation's about from typical evangelical or Protestant theology, and certainly not Catholic teaching. Yeah, we don't mm-hmm. hear that either. And so, so many people that we believe here, and, and that's the premise of the show. And you can agree or disagree. We can debate that if you'd like. We believe that the only way we can know what is right or good to do from God's perspective is not to go back to some historic creed or repeat what Campus Crusade for Christ said or, or James Dobson, although we respect those people in certain ways, but it's to go back to the New Testament to find out what God says about salvation. And Martin Luther's not the authority. The Pope's not the authority. John Calvin's not the authority. Here's Bill Bright's not the authority. Here's who the okay. authority is, Mike, and we've quoted this before. I mean, everybody out there should know by now. If you're listening to the if show. If you've been right. listening to the show. That John 12 and verse 48 tells us who the authority is. It says he, and this is Jesus speaking. Look at the context of John 12:48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Jesus has the authority. What did he say? And I don't have the reference. You probably can quote it. But he says, all authority in heaven and earth Matthew 28, 18, has been given to me. And that's what Jesus said. And it's interesting now when we look at the book of Acts that that word becomes important. I'd like to call your attention to Acts 11 and verse 13. And this is where an angel appears to Cornelius. And listen to what he tells Cornelius to do. And he says, and he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Now, I think you can probably guess what words that he would be told. But people today, Gary, skip all that, and they say, well, an angel told me this or that or the other. You know, and so they're 
they're just uh, they they want the angel to speak directly to them, and they think when the, they when they have a vision or something that the angel did tell them something, they think that that's a good substitute for what they can read in their Bible. And we've had discussions with people who've called in on the show about that, and we'd like to hear maybe you want to talk about that. But uh, this angel did not tell Cornelius what to do to be saved. He told him to he go. Said, There's a man that'll tell you what to do to be saved because he's going to speak with the words of God. And Jesus said, if you reject these people who've come in my name, like the apostles, you've rejected me and you reject their words, you reject my words. So that's the point. Well, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Go ahead. Well, no, I, I, no that, that's a good, good uh, line of thought, Mike, because even what did Paul say to the Galatians? He says the gospel which he preached didn't come by man. How did it come? It came by revelation of Jesus right. Christ to Paul, the apostle. So not only would Peter been granted the Holy Spirit knowledge to tell us what to do, Paul and the apostles were granted knowledge to tell us what to do, and they wrote it down. And these are Jesus' words because Paul says Jesus gave it to him by revelation. So what Paul said and wrote is the same thing as what Jesus is saying. That they're his words. And and so we can't just how how can I say this, Mike? I'm, I'm searching for words. I, I may need some help, but we can't just pick some passage and say that's what Jesus said. We have to look at the entire scripture and compare them. You, yes, and that's unfortunately what happens so much is people pick out one favorite passage uh, in, in, in the scriptures. They pick out their favorite passage, like Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and thou shalt be saved. And they make that the only passage that you need to be saved. Our, the Bible has a lot more to say about salvation than that verse. Exactly. Okay, and that's the probably I think that's where what you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, that's that's you, what, what we want to said. talk about. There's more to it. Uh, we would agree with somebody who made the statement: "We are saved by grace. We are saved by God's grace." Wouldn't you agree with that, Mike? Sure. That's what the Bible says, and and I won't go through all the passages passages that list that. But when does God apply that grace? Are there any other things that he asks us to do? How does he apply that grace? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. But we also, Paul also says we're saved by faith. Now that's another one everybody likes, isn't it? Well, we are saved by faith. And we are saved by faith. But what kind of faith? The question is faith alone. Well, I'd say what kind of faith? And what saves, kind of faith, right. What kind of faith? Turn to James chapter 2 and it says basically... Faith without works is dead, but faith was made perfect by our works. That's James 2. Look at James 2, verses 18 through 24, and I'm, I'm just going to quote this. Is that we need to keep this in mind. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? So my, my view is when, when the Bible says faith saves us, it's talking about perfected faith. That's what we're talking yes, about. Yes, it's more than just simple 
It's um, mental belief. It's the my clear mental acknowledgement. Fa- the faith that saves is more than mental assent to a proposition that Jesus is God's son. Yes. There's more to the faith that saves than that. That will not save you because the demons believe and tremble. Okay? The demons, be- the devil, the demons believe that Jesus is God's son. That doesn't save them. That's because right. Because that's what James says. They, There's they more to it than that. The demons mentally acknowledge that God exists so, and Jesus is right. his son. So when you listen to these preachers today and you hear them everywhere, may, if some of you are going to go to church this morning somewhere and you're going to hear your preacher say you that you hear thing, that you need to re- realize that the devil believes the same thing that preacher is telling you to do, that just, 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 and that word has a meaning, just believe, they'll tell you. That's all you have to do, just believe. Well, the demons do that. Are they saved? Of course not. Okay, so that's the that's our that's a starting point. Uh, that, that's the, right. By the way, the verse that that you were probably referring to, or maybe I referred to, Gary, is Luke ten sixteen. He who hears me, uh, he, he who hears you, speaking to the apostles, right? Hears me. He who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So Jesus says. If you reject the, the apostles that Jesus sent, then you have rejected him. Then you have to look at what not only Paul says, but what Peter says about what Luke says in Acts. Uh, we learn things there as well. Okay. All of those books, and including the Gospels, tell us what Jesus expects of us. We'd like to give you the numbers again before we move on here, 772 772- Three four zero fifteen ninety is the number here in Port St. Lucie. Seven seven two three four zero fifteen ninety is the number uh, to reach us here at WPSL uh, on We Are Just Christians, and you can reach Mike at seven seven two two six zero sixty one twenty by text two six zero sixty one twenty. You can reach Gary by text at two six zero sixty two twenty. We'd be glad to receive your text, and we appreciate them very much. All right, Gary. Uh, well, that, that's another passage I think people, you know, I talked about underlying certain certain passages, and, and the underlining of those passages indicate that these are motivational passages. These are not necessarily everything that we should do in that there's not one thing that we can omit or one thing that we can concentrate on, but these are the motivational passages, and Hebrews 5 verse 9 is one of those. He says he is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, what is salvation, Mike? Well, Mike, salvation is, is can be, I think, defined as escaping the wrath of God and the judgment. That's what salvation really is. It means we escape the wrath of God because we go, we go on to those things. And I, I want to point out one other passage that we need to be concerned with, and that's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I'm going to begin in uh, the latter part of verse 7. He says, When the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the gospel that is taught by Paul and Jesus and all of those throughout the New Testament is something that needs to be obeyed. Yes, and as you've heard me say before, 
you can't obey a promise. You know, oh, the Bible's full of promises. You can't obey a promise. Right. You can't obey a statement. The only thing you can obey is a command. Right. Right? So there are commands in the Bible, directives from God, that must be obeyed if you're going to be considered a Christian. I, I know that's not typical, normal uh, theology for some people because they've been raised in this environment that it's not about obedience, and somehow they've got this idea that, that obeying Christ is antithetical to grace or doing what God says is antithetical being saved by grace, and that's simply not true, not when you let the Bible define itself as to what grace is. Right. Now, our, our, our faith is not mental acknowledgement alone. Faith is perfected faith by doing what God says. Right. As, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I think we pointed out some passages kind of like this before. This is in Hebrews again, and, and I want to... I want to look at, well, what does this say? What does this say about perfected faith or, or mental acknowledgement? And he says in uh, Hebrews 3.16, For who, having heard, rebelled, he's talking about the children of Israel being led out of Egypt. And indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now, with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it with the, not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And we have to remember, a bunch of them fell in the wilderness, many of them. Yes. And he says, uh, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It, what, what we have to realize is, is Jesus equates disobedience to unbelief. Is that not what this passage is telling me? So obedience to what God says is extremely important. It is, it is how basically God decides to apply his grace. So what, so what we really want to know and what we're getting to is what has God said that we should do? If, if I were to ask the question, what must I do to be saved, Mike, how would you answer that? How would we answer someone who says basically how, what must I do to be saved? Well, I'm going to tell him you're going to have to go to the New Testament and look at the case where people were saved and what Jesus yes. said to do. Yes. He, we'll just start with Mark 16, 16. 16. That's one place to start, what Jesus himself said. And he, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not, not shall be Well, yeah. basically, he that believeth not is almost lost already. Well, they're not going to be baptized, that's, that's for sure. Or they're not going to do believe. anything else. No. So... I basically, I think he bookended a lot of the things that we'll see later on, starting with belief and, and going through baptism. But baptism is still not the end. The life that we lead, live in obedience, we can still be lost even after that. So what is it that we need to do? And I, I think we, we probably need to discuss, certainly belief is the first thing. I would not argue with somebody that says belief is the first thing that I must do. Right. I must believe in him first because without it, I'm not going to do anything else. But what does he tell us to do in, in many cases? One of the things that he says to do, basically, I believe, is to, uh, to confess. In uh, Luke, or Matthew 10, verse 32, he says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, you think you're going to be saved if Jesus denies you before the 
Father in heaven? What does this passage mean? This passage means that if you don't confess whether you believe or not, if you don't confess before men, you're lost. So how can I be saved upon belief? That's where I get a lot of people say, I'm, I'm saved the minute I believe. Well, the demons should be saved already because they believe and tremble. So there's something else required beyond belief for salvation to occur. And I think we've seen that in, uh, we see that, what, what, what does Paul say in the Roman letter? Uh, he says uh, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And notice it says unto salvation, not any, the belief there isn't even unto salvation. Right. It's unto righteousness. Right. And, and he adds, if, it's t- if we're saved by belief or faith alone, Romans 10, 10, make, or 10, 10 makes no sense whatsoever. Because right. it says, we're, that it, adds, it adds confession to belief. So that tells you either they're using the words belief differently or that there's more to it than just simple belief and saying, I believe that in Jesus is God's of, son. In terms of mental acknowledgement. And, and I, I think the key to me, Gary, and, and I know it's probably what you're going and just make it simple for what we're saying. The key there is that the word faith does mean just believe or belief. And sometimes it's used in a very specific sense. Right. The demons believe and tremble. And then sometimes it's used in the broader sense of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Right. Because then he goes on to say, for those who believe, believe him must obey him there. They must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. So there's more to it than just a mental assent, even in the book of Hebrews. He just spent the whole chapter, or going to spend the rest of that chapter, showing what all these people who believe did to be saved. The saving faith, as he's calling it. So sometimes the word faith, Faith is used in a narrow sense, sometimes in a broad sense. And the way the way you know that is looking at how it's linked up with things like confession, right, and with obedience, or all these other issues. A faith that results believing and being yeah. baptized, Jesus says. In the context of faith that results in salvation has to be a perfected faith. Right. Perfect means complete. Complete. Completed faith. So belief by itself is the point James makes is not complete. It's just uh, it's just belief. James says it takes more than that. And that's why Jesus can say, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And his apostles can say later that, that we're saved by faith. They don't, they, what they do not ever say, Gary, is, where faith is what saved. you hear all the time today, is that we're saved by faith alone. That's something that the New Testament, in fact, the New Testament specifically in the book of James says that we are not saved by faith alone. And yet, ironically, it's the one thing that you hear most of these Protestant preachers saying today, exactly. that we're saved by faith alone. And so I, I want to warn our listeners about that because that's something that they're probably going to hear at church this morning, Gary, that they need to be careful about. And that's why we want to point you back just to the scriptures about these things and not someplace else, you see. So the, the only place that faith alone or faith only is mentioned is in James 2, and it says you're not, not saved. saved by faith. Now, there's, they have a little dissertations about the book of James there. In fact, Martin Luther despised that passage so much as you've heard me mention before, that uh, he said that, that the book of James 
even though Paul wrote epistles of gold and silver, James was a right strawy epistle. James' epistle was made of straw because it mentions that we're saved not by faith alone. And basically it says Abraham was saved by works when he offered Isaac. He talked... He talks about those things, but that made Abraham's faith complete in God's eyes. And it's interesting that he says, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith with, by my works. It's interesting to me all of the stories in the Old Testament where God wanted to see what his people would do. God wants to see your faith. Even once in the Old Testament, I mean, once in the New Testament, when they let the paralytic down through the through the roof, Jesus said, uh, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he healed the paralytic. It was see you something you could see in it this was case because they did something. Yes, they did something. You something you could see. Uh, there, and there are many Old Testament examples that we don't, you know, we could spend the whole show or maybe a couple of more shows going through some of those to see those things. So. If I, were to, if I were to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? At least I've got two things now. I need to believe in Jesus Christ, that he was raised from the dead, and that he's the son of God. And I need to confess with my mouth or some way before men that's obvious that I believe. You know, somebody asked me, well, what if, what if someone can't speak? Well, can you make sign language? Can you write? Can you do something to make other people know? I think basically that's what he's saying. You need to confess so that other men understand clearly that you believe in God. The confession, he even says it there clearly, is with the mouth. It's, yes. it's a physical act of some kind. It's a kind. physical act. Okay. Maybe it's writing down if you can't speak out loud, whatever it may be, you see. And so that's the thing. Um, the, uh, the, the people want, they want to make it just a mental thing. And, and I understand, you know, Gary, oh, let me go back. Keep, I keep going backwards <laughs> so much false christian teaching and teaching of other things is simply re- a reaction to something else that's false and therefore when you just react to what's false then you end up in a, another false place rather than simply going in the bible and trying to say what does it say and so what what martin luther reacted to was the traditionalism of the roman catholic church and the ritualism of the roman catholic church in their teachings on indulgences and saying prayers and incense and somehow that all of those things would save a person apart from faith. And so rather than teach what the Bible did say about salvation, he simply said, well, you're saved by faith alone. And when he said you're saved by faith alone, not works, he meant things like the indulgences, things that humans have made up. When the Bible condemns works in the book of Ephesians, That's right. It's talking there not about the fact that I obey what God told me to do. It's talking about me adding to God's commands things that I want to do, keeping various holidays and different kinds of washings and other kinds of things. The Jews were known for this as well as the pagans. Adding different things that I have to do that I've made up, not what God has said, Jesus condemned the works of the Pharisees, not because not when they kept the Sabbath as God commanded, but when they added a whole slew of other things that God said nothing about. Those are the works that he was condemning in them. And so we can tend to react 
and go the other way. But when you look at what the people in the book of Acts did, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Peter told them in Acts chapter 2, Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. So now he adds repentance to the list. Right. You cannot be saved unless you repent. Well, listen to what Jesus said in in Luke 3. He says, uh, basically, I'm going to look at uh, verse 3 and following. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Are those 18 upon upon whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed? Do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus made it a condition right there. And in godly sorrow, what? Leads to what? Godly sorrow leads to repentance. So it's the same thing as as confession. It really doesn't save you, but it leads to salvation. Where do where do we act where are we actually saved? When does God actually apply his grace to us? And I think it's when he forgives you your sins. Right. And that's in Acts two. Through his blood being applied. How do you come in contact with the blood? By faith, repentance, and baptism is how you come in contact with the blood, according to Romans 6, anyway. And, and basically, what, what is he saying? He's saying, basically, here's what you have to do. Basically, this is obedience to my commands, and when you obey my commands, what happens? His grace is applied. Right. Because he can see your faith. Your faith saves you because he can see it now. The point about being saved by grace, Gary, is not that we don't have to do anything. It's this that it's that you can never you can't earn your salvation by things that you do. Right. It's given at, the idea of being the fact that we can even be saved at all is what is talking about with respect to grace. Our sin against God, our rebellion ha- has no there's no way it should ever be forgiven given the nature of God and our nature. And the fact that he allows us to be forgiven through Christ is God's grace. Christ is God's grace. But Christ says, if you want to come to me, you've got to take on my blood, my sacrifice. You've got to become mine. I have to purchase you, as it were. And he purchases the church with his own blood. So grace isn't just overlooking a sin. Grace is is receiving this pardon that God offers. But every pardon that's offered has to be accepted on the terms of the conditions of the pardon. Yes. Now, the question is, I ask people who want to debate about this, is this an unconditional pardon? Oh, yes, there's no conditions. Well, then, why isn't everyone saved then? Yes. If if the pardon through Christ is unconditional, isn't belief a condition? And I know from Romans 10, he adds confession as a condition. And he adds repentance. And, and he adds repentance. So, you know, we're, we're just discussing what the conditions to receive the pardon are. You and I believe in salvation by grace. Do we believe in salvation by grace alone? No, we don't because the Bible doesn't say that. We believe in salvation by faith, but not by faith alone because the Bible doesn't say that. We believe that there's a meaning. The meaning of grace and faith in those cases is modified by the other things that we're told that must be done to receive the pardon. The only way a man can be saved is when God pardons him under the conditions God has set forward, not not on uh, our wishful thinking that somehow God's going to forgive my sins without me even accepting the pardon that he's offered. So if we want to have a discussion about what the conditions to receive grace are or 
God's pardon. We can do that. But I think we serve no scriptural purpose whatsoever just to run around saying that uh, quoting one passage like Acts 16.31 and having people believe that if they just say in their heart that Jesus is Christ and now they're saved and they can go on and live their life the way they want to. Uh, it's a, doing a great disservice to the gospel of Christ. Right. Well, that's, that's what I wanted to point out. And, and what we have to understand in interpreting the Bible that, that often one passage may modify or restrict the meaning of another. That's what I'm talking about when, when we say faith in one, say, one instance may imply mental acknowledgement, but faith in another instance replies a completed faith or a perfected faith. Right. Other passages, James 2 has an effect of limiting the meaning of the word used in Ephesians because they have to both agree. Right. And they, it does. It shows you what it means. <laughs> right. James is talking about a, a particular aspect of salvation by grace. So you have to define the works that Paul is talking about in Ephesians as well. Well, we've been through this before, Gary, but um, this is something that I'm, I'm surprised. I guess I'm just disappointed in so many Christian teachers who, in, to put it nicely, talk out of both sides of their mouth about this. I have articles here on my computer over the years from these, uh, so these uh, Protestant pastors. They're not really pastors according to the Bible, but they call themselves such, who will talk about obedience, and yet in the next breath they talk about being saved without obedience. They want to talk that they 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 have to they have to say the party line that you're saved without doing anything, but they know the Bible well enough to know that they can't really teach that completely. Because the New Testament's full filled with things that Christians must do to be saved, okay, and um, that that's that that's the problem that they face. Even if you really were to read what Billy Graham says about it. You'd see him talking out of both sides of his mouth, as, as admirable a man as he was. Talks out of both sides of his mouth about this salvation by faith and by works because they know the Bible says that you have to do things like believe and have faith and be faithful to the end and all of that kind of stuff. But yet they feel forced by so many people to say that we're saved by doing nothing at all except believing. Or saying the sinner's prayer. Saying the sinner's prayer, which you can't find in the Bible. Which you can't find in the Bible anyway. And, and it's so hard to miss. I'm, I'm going to quote another passage that it's so hard to miss the fact that there are things that we must do. Uh, in Romans 2, and, and beginning in verse 6, or I'm going to begin a little bit of verse 5. He says, But in accordance with the hardness of your, your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. Right. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works there's works, what is good how about this one Gary, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 
For we must be, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now that doesn't sound like salvation by faith alone for anyone, does it? Right. It doesn't say there that it, it, the only, it doesn't matter what you do in your life at all, as long as you have said sometime or another a sinner's prayer, you'll be saved. Because once you're saved, you're going to, you can never be lost. That says each one is going to receive the things done in the body. Now, including, including the things done in the body is belief and confession and, and uh, the heart right with God and all those kinds of repentance. Those are all involved in the things that we do. So, but to, to remove it completely from the area of any human action at all. The problem with this whole theory, whole thing here, goes back to whether, and I ask talk, people, ask them a simple thing. Uh, uh, can you define God's role in salvation and man's role in salvation? I think the Bible is pretty clear that both man and God play Have a role, role in, salvation. in salvation or condemnation. And what does the Bible say God's role in salvation is, including Jesus Christ's work? What's the Bible say man's role in salvation is? Well, man's role is right there in Romans 2. We just read it, 6 through y yes, verses 6 through ma 10. But man has a role. Man the has way it's presented in so many Protestant churches today, man has no role at all in, his, in salvation at all. It's all God's doing. This is John Calvin's teaching. It's all God's doing. He does everything. He even predestines before the world began that you should even desire to be saved and who's going to be saved. Every deed and action you've ever done has already been predestined by God. If you're a Presbyterian, this is what your catechism teaches. And most other evangelicals are now based on John Calvin's teaching in one way or another. Well, if it's it's all, all been preordained by God before the foundation of the world. And so man has no part to play. In salvation. Now, is that really what the Bible teaches? No, it's not. Well, it just I would just say, look at Judges two. I'm, I'm going to quote Judges two twenty through twenty three. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and He said, "Because this nation has transgressed My covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded My voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which jo Joshua." left when he died so through them i may test israel whether they will keep the ways of the lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not in other words he says i'm going to see what they're going to do what did we say about god wanting to see your faith therefore the lord left those nations without driving them out immediately and, and he says in deuteronomy 8 he says uh Basically, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna. What was God doing all that 40 years? He was what? He wanted to see their faith. And what so well, they had a choice. Why, now, if he, if he had predicted beforehand what was going to happen, why did he want to see their faith? I mean, it's contradictory in every aspect of the logic to think that God ordains somebody to be. So the, the question then is, again, what's man's role? What's God's role? And we're, we're just trying to say that we have to look at the New Testament to find out what your role. In both kinds, there's really kind of two ways about being, talking about being saved here, Gary, that 
get distinguished. One is initially coming to Christ in the first place, becoming yes. a Christian. And then once you are a Christian, what are your responsibilities and what does God require of you? Those two things can be separate. Sometimes are viewed, and some scriptures view them together, and some separate them out. Okay? And so sometimes we talk about, uh, I think that's what our person who wrote the text was here a few weeks ago. Uh, they were talking about initially becoming a Christian. What does it take to do that? Well, uh, if, if you had to answer to it simply, I would say you have to believe, you have to confess with your mouth, you have to repent, and you have to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Right. And that's scripture. Not as an infant, but as a believing Believing adult. Right. Baptized. He said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And it implies to me that baptism is the point at which God forgives sins. It's the end point. It's It's unto the the remission of sins. sins. It's for for the remission of sins. That's why he says. Peter says it. Jesus says it. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 3.21 that baptism now saves us. And the reason that we emphasize that is because that's the part that so many people leave out one way or the other. It isn't because it's more important than all the rest. It's the end point in in the discussion, you see. And so, but but it's the culmination of all. It's what baptism is a reenactment of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, according to Romans 6. It's what puts you in Christ, according to Paul in Romans chapter 6. It's the culmination of all the other things. And it's why so, and it's why so many people reject it, because it is what the Bible says has to be done. And so many people listening to us this morning, Gary, we've got about a minute left here, but so many people listening to us this morning were baptized as infants in the Roman Catholic Church. They were, they've never really done, unfortunately, what God says they ought to do as a believing adult and be baptized. And that's a shame. I know that they're sincere people who want to serve the Lord, but they've been taught something false and given a false impression by being baptized as an infant and not as a believing adult who can repent of their sins. Well, we're going to have to wind this up here, Gary. We've got about a minute left. We've got one final comment. Then we'll have well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote a passage there. If you're, if you're taught the wrong thing, uh, basically, what what did Jesus say about the Jews when when they were teaching these things? He says, "Hypocrites! Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. If you're taught the commandment of men to be saved, your worship is vain or worthless. If, that's what you, if, if you yeah, if you're just following their commandments, and this is the thing that that Paul was talking about, I think, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Well, our time is gone today. We appreciate you listening. Tune in again next week to We Are Just Christians. And may God bless you. Open my God.